voice and choice. Not only does it provide our students with options for how to most effectively execute their own learning, but teachers who provide their kids with voice and choice are also met with many options for how to implement the element into their lessons. When faced with so many different choices for how to incorporate this element, how does a teacher know which one will be the best for his or her current content, lesson, and students? There's quite a bit that goes into the decision, so for this podcast, Stacy Pearson and I sat down with some teachers from the elementary and secondary levels to see what suggestions they could recommend. Hey everybody, this is Casey Province here uh, for the fifth episode of the Innovation Effect podcast, and today I'm talking to the seventh grade reading and writing teachers, Stephanie Offield and Suzanne Bailey. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Good. Um, so let's just start off with you guys telling us a little bit about yourselves and your backgrounds. All right. Um, I'm Stephanie Offield. Uh, I've been in education for 11 years. Um, I started my education in elementary school in fifth grade. I did elementary school for six years, and I've been at the middle school in sixth and seventh grade for the past five years. Um, and I mainly taught ELA the entire time I've been in education. This is Suzanne Bailey, and I've been kind of all over the place. I am from New Mexico and taught there for to sixth grade for nine years and then moved here. And I was a reading specialist for one year. So I have taught kindergarten through sixth grade. Um, and then <laughs> most of my work has been done fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Uh, I do have a little bit of experience with some older kids, but middle grades is where most of my experience is. The good grades. <laughs> We're here today to talk about voice and choice. Um, it's a big deal here at our school. Obviously, it's part of our PBL process when we're doing that, but it's also just part of good teaching. So um, just tell me, what are some ways that you guys have used voice and choice in your classrooms? Either one of you can start. Um, I think one of the biggest ways that I've used it is as a menu or a choice board, however, whatever you want to call that. Um, but usually it's a tic-tac-toe board, something like that. You have nine choices and they have to complete three or, or you know, however the teacher sets up the, the parameters and then the kids are allowed to choose which assignments they complete. Um, and then when they do their independent reading, they're allowed to make their own choices. And when we do research, we also let them choose their topic for, for research purposes too. Um, and currently we're working on novels and they have to do projects at the end and we've created a choice board for an individual project that they have to do and then a group project they have to choose from and there's like three choices for each section and so um, it's a lot with our novels we use stuff like that as well. So since you guys have done both elementary and upper second or lower secondary but you guys are talking about the choice boards that you use. How how do those differ between like elementary and, and older kids? I've just adapted them for uh, each grade level. I've done it with fifth grade. I've done it with lower grades too. And you just and the, the, that's that's the beauty of it is the teacher chooses the assignments and you know has eight or ten of them and then on the student's level and then the kids can choose which ones they want to to do out of those eight or 10 choices. And you, you can also use the exact same choice. Like you just modify it for the grade level. Like everyone can write a letter or everyone right. can, you know, just stuff like that. And do you give as many choices to the nope. younger kids? Just fewer choices. Just fewer choices. Okay. Yeah. So Stephanie, you mentioned that you guys are doing 
literature circles. Yes. And so how does Voice and Choice come into play with that? Um, we chose between two novels and we put like a quote on note cards and then the students read the note cards and picked the note card that they liked. They didn't know the name of the book. They didn't know what the book looked like, the size. They didn't know anything except that quote. And they chose which book they wanted to read based on that. And you're doing the literature circles as well? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so same, same process. Okay. And then one of the coolest things I think that we started with the very beginning of the process was uh, we gave them a, a calendar. And so they had a blank calendar and then we built in the days that were, you know, library days or that we whole class, whole class instruction yeah. days. And then the kids had the voice and choice of how they were going to get the project done. Oh, and it was nice. really, really cool to see some groups obviously did better than others, but right. um, they, <laughs> they took the total number of pages. They divided it out. They were like, okay, we're going to read 10 pages this day. This day is a work day. Um, and not all groups did the same thing, which it was, it was really neat to see and that. And I have some groups, there's one little girl I have, she's very particular about sticking to the schedule. And yeah. when you're not sticking to the schedule, it's bothering her, <laughs> like bad bothering her. <laughs> and so it just, I mean, it just, you kind of see their personalities. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that mm-hmm. because it gives them that autonomy they're looking for to kind of be their own boss in class, which we rarely give them. That's a great idea. And, and real world, you know, is what we told them too, you know, someday you're going to have a job no matter what it is. And your boss is going to say, okay, here, here's your project, get it done. And then they have to somehow plan that plan it out. So we were like, I mean, we, I know they're young, they're, they're seventh graders, but they can still exercise those skills and and work on it. Do y'all think, Having, because are y'all finished with your literature circles yet? Almost. We're pretty close. So even though you're not finished, how do you feel like voice and choice has played a role and been helpful or has it just completely kind of fell apart, fallen apart? Some groups do better than others. Like I have some groups that are super on task and really enjoyed it. And then you have the other groups that are behind or not doing what they're supposed to, but you can't constantly sit with those kids to make them do their work. I mean, you can only tell them so many times. And so you got to kind of negotiate, I mean, not negotiate, but what am I looking for? Divvy up your time between all your groups. Right. Right. Yeah. And then I, I've noticed that they, um, they haven't complained. They're not like, this book is lame because yeah. I mean, you, you, you chose it. <laughs> you chose or, or if they, I mean, they haven't said it to me, but if they do, then that's my response. Right. Well, you, you chose it. You picked it. Yeah. So and you picked your schedule. Exactly. So there's that. And then um, they still uh, just to, to use that to my advantage is, you know, well, right. we're not done or we didn't do this. Well, that was your choice. And now you're, you're, you're actively making a choice and kind of point it out to them so that they can see, Oh, okay. This, this has an effect on my learning and, it, and it's my doing. And it's real flexible. Like, you know, like we started with one timeline and we've kind of moved that timeline around to finish the book right. because, you know, some groups are finishing early. So some groups have already started their individual projects and then they'll get those finished this week and then work on their group projects. And so it's, it's real flexible to change up deadlines depending on what group. So you'll have a bunch of groups in different spots, but I mean, is that stressing you out as a teacher to have kids in different spots at different times? No, that's kind of why. Well, I mean, a little bit, but I gave them I went ahead and gave the groups that were done their projects so that they're not sitting there not doing anything. Right. Absolutely. And so trying to get the other people caught up, like finish your book. I need your book done 
by this date. Like right. I've given them a date now that we're this far, you know, we're towards the end that, okay, you have to have the book read by right. this time. And that, I think that's the beauty of it too. Yeah. It's like, you know, they don't, we know that we know that they don't all learn at the same rate or, right, or exactly. read at the same rate or, you know, process. So it's, it's, it's interesting to watch that happen too. It's essentially helping you include um, differentiation just naturally because those kids who are working faster are going to have that opportunity to, you know, to work at that level that they need to work at, mm -hmm. you know, or, or at learning. a faster pace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they can extend it beyond, you know, I've got this independent project, but I can do something amazing with this because I've got the time. Mm -hmm. Yes, so. exactly. And like um, their individual projects, I, I told, I gave them another choice. You can do them digitally or you can write them because they're like letters and text messages between like talking about the mm -hmm. book and um, like rewriting the end of the story. Mm -hmm. And um, so they kind of had a choice there too. Like, would you rather write it on paper or would you type it out and want to send it yeah. to me? And um, so. So the voice and choice just keeps building yes. and building, yes. which is really cool. How do you decide how much voice and choice your class can handle? Especially oh. if it's building and building kind of how we just discussed. I don't. I have some classes that do really well with this and they're ahead of the curve and they do fine. One class in particular, they are struggle. They struggle with it. They just, and I don't know if it's just the mix of kids, like, cause we grouped them based on what book they chose. So mm -hmm. you had to try to put like high, medium and low in a group. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think sometimes just personalities and this is lots of independence that they've never had before. Like our first two novels we read as a whole class. Right. And so this, you know, they've never had this much independence. And so some of them do well with it and some of them are struggling. Yeah. And I think you just start, start small. Like I said, the menus are easy. It's an easy thing that you can do on a weekly basis. And then if you decide oh, my class can handle this and they're doing well with this, then you can go to a bigger, assignment and give them more choice if you see that it works. And some classes you have to rein it back in and some right. classes, you know, can, can handle it and you can keep building. So there's going to be number one, a lot of practice mm -hmm. starting from the beginning of the year, however that works. And let's face it, you know, you guys are teaching seventh and eighth graders. I mean, we've still held their hand yes, quite a bit at this point, but I mean, pretty quickly, two years, once they get into high school, that's gone. And, I, and I think that's, uh, that's a big part of the reason we wanted to do this because they, they are so dependent right now. Right. And it's like, I mean, we see their future coming and it's like, guys, we got to prepare you for, for all of that. So. Right. And so sure. they need that practice. Mm -hmm. And then also setting expectations, like yes. from the beginning, teaching them, this is how we do this. Cause you guys did, at the beginning of your lit circles, I know you did like a type yeah, of some setting expectations of practice of how yeah. to do that. And I think that is so crucial yeah, for we, something like this. We spent three days doing that and we did a lesson each day. We did a fishbowl. We did a, on, on how to have a correct conversation and really set those expectations that that's right. how it was going to go. Absolutely. Now that y'all have gone through this process, I mean, and, and you've obviously used voice and choice before, but like you've really focused on it for this unit y'all have been studying. Um, tell me what impact do you guys think that voice and choice has had on your students and their understanding of the content you're teaching? I think it has a huge impact on student learning. Um, they're, when they're allowed to have a voice in their education, they just, you know, they perform better. The, the quality of their work improves because it's theirs and they have ownership in it and they're proud of themselves and they, they chose it. So they just, 
inherently do better. Yes, and with the lit circles, like they do pretty good about holding each other accountable. Mm-hmm. Like, like I was talking about that little girl. Like, she's very like we're gonna stick to the schedule, and this is what we're gonna do. And she'll argue with them and go no, like, and and some of them <laughs> like they just take it and are like, okay, we'll we'll do what you want. I mean, they're just. Sh- it's instead of us always being us counting, like holding them accountable, having their peers do it has helped them. Right. And so that leads me to ask how that impacts you guys. You know, the whole giving them voice and choice. If, if that's one thing, for example, that's kind of taking off of your load. I mean, is there anything added to the load or anything else taken away or. I think, I think there's a lot of work to do at the beginning. Yes. Like you said, you know, we, we did those small exercises on our expectations of those things and we front loaded a lot of the things. Right. And then it was, you know, that gradual release, I guess. And it was like, okay, now here you go. And, and like Stephanie said too, we've read two books as a whole class. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we've done this now. Here you go. Gradual this. release. It's your turn. Yeah. Take over. And it's been you just have to, I mean, it's a lot of monitoring. Mm-hmm. Like once you get into it on our end, you just are almost like a monitor, like mm-hmm. to make sure that they're on track, that they're sticking to their schedule, that, that they know like, okay, you have this many weeks to finish up the book. Like I said, like I've given them a date, an official date, like you have to have the book read by this date. And it's a shift from us, you know, standing up in front of the class, doing all the work to right them doing the work absolutely which is ultimately what we want what we want to have happen yeah so well it sounds like y'all are doing really great with your lit circles and how you're using voice and choice and so thank you guys for talking with me today thank you appreciate it So along with Stephanie and Suzanne, we are here with Mrs. Tara Rivera. She's a second grade teacher at IC Evans. Tara, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hello. I am, like you said, Tara Rivera. I have an awesome rhyming name. (laughs) Easy to remember. Um, I have been teaching for six years. Started out actually in special education and then wanted to be a classroom teacher. So I've also taught third grade and now second grade. So we're talking about voice and choice with our kids. So tell us just some ways that you incorporate that into your classroom. Well, um, in my classroom culture as a whole, I started this year. It was my first year doing it, um, doing flexible seating. I was incredibly nervous at first. (laughs) And I think that most teachers can identify with that, being nervous to start flexible seating. And it's become such a trendy a trendy thing, yeah. topic right yeah. and so I thought you know what I'm I'm gonna try it and that way I can say I've tried it and I can see if I like it or not so I did it I kept 10 desks this year um, I have found that I have some students who prefer the desk mm-hmm. and so I will always keep some desks yeah however I don't even have a seating chart my students come in every Monday morning they choose their seat for the week. I guess everybody does it a little differently, but yeah. I can't, couldn't handle them moving around all day. Yeah. So they choose their seat for the week, and um, they make a smart choice. <laughs> and um, I reserve the right to move them if they need me to. Yeah. But I really have not had to do that since about September. Um, awesome. It is the best decision I ever made. They take ownership and not wanting 
uh, they don't want to be moved, right? right so right. they have that choice and they want to be able to keep that choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they are, um, they work harder and are more well-behaved, less talkative on their own without me getting onto them. So that was really neat. So that's just classroom culture. Um, now, as far as academically, mm-hmm. um, voice and choice, um, when it's possible, I really try to provide some choices in how they actually are showing that they've learned something. So they're all showing that they've learned the same thing, but maybe in different ways. So for instance, um, I'll allow them to like draw a picture about it and then record themselves talking and upload it to Seesaw or something and show me that way that they've learned it or, um, they can choose to write about it. I have some students who prefer that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's less common, but they do sometimes. <laughs> and um, there's so many different ways that you can. But um, just depending on what's appropriate for the content that we're learning, mm-hmm. there's so many different ways that they can show me what they've learned that might be better for them. So Tara, tell us what role did using voice and choice play in the execution of your roles of government PBL? So on this PBL, we um, we gave a pretty big voice and choice. Um, and, and as far as big, I don't mean a lot of different aspects of it, but mm-hmm. I mean like the one voice and choice that they had kind of changed their entire product. Mm-hmm. So they got to choose what their um, profession that they would study would be. So they had four choices um, of different public services. Uh, public servants that um, we would be studying throughout the project. Um, So they could choose between a fireman, policeman, um, mayor, or librarian. And I thought, oh, this could be bad because I was worried that what if everybody chooses policeman? Did you have any kids who were kind of random and were like, you know, I know there's these four, but can I do like a teacher or something that happened? I really thought that that might, it didn't this year, oh. but I would, it wouldn't surprise me if it did happen in the future. And I, I would be completely open to that as right. long as it fits the criteria of being right. a public servant, right. then it would be, it would be kind of neat to let them branch out yeah. and, and come up with their own. So they got to choose who they were. Those were the four, um, that we had really anticipated in them studying about. And um, I was pleasantly surprised that I had several students interested in all four. I was like, yeah, oh, no yeah. <laughs> but they did. They were, they were definitely, I had people um, interested in all four and I feel like you get such um, a much better product mm-hmm. at the end because mm-hmm. they're interested in yes. what they're doing. I didn't say you have to study policemen, right. you have to study firemen, right. you have to do yeah. um, librarian. And so there was some ownership yeah. taken in that. Yeah. And when you give them like that one choice, you, you know, as minor as it may seem like just to pick right. your topic, it's like it opens up all this creativity because yes. it's like I got to pick my choice. Now what other creative avenues can right. I take with that? You know, right. right. So exactly. that's pretty cool. Now, you've mentioned using voice and choice in several ways. So they get to choose where they sit. They get to choose um, how they're showing products in your class. They get to choose They get to choose topics and things like that. So how do you decide when to incorporate voice and cho- choice into your lessons and, like, how it's going to be accomplished effectively? Because 
you don't probably do all of those things all of the time. It's probably picking and choosing what's best and appropriate. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like um, that's one of the most difficult aspects of voice and choice mm-hmm. because um, the win, the win to incorporate it and not biting off more than you can chew right. is going to be key in the entire thing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um it's not a one size fits all type of uh, of question to me because um, really looking into like what is being taught, what concept is being taught here, and the best choices for them to have within that concept is going to be key. Um, it's going to vary greatly on age level. Mm-hmm. It's going to vary greatly on the concept that's being taught as well. Um, If I'm teaching something about writing, well, then I can't give them an option that's not writing, right? Right. Right. So you've got to keep that in mind very (laughs) at the the foremost of it. And and giving them, knowing my students as a teacher and Mm. knowing what they can handle choosing and what I should help them choose. Right, because it varies class to class too. Yes. And year to year. Yes. Mm thinking about your class last year and your class this year and how you've incorporated more voice and choice this year, um, what impact do you think voice and choice has had on your students and their understanding of the content you're teaching? And what impact has it had on you? Well, let me tell you the truth. Please do. Please. please. Last year, year I, I don't feel like I did a very good job in incorporating voice and choice. It was scary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, I don't know, and maybe this is just me. It might be other teachers too. I don't know, but it felt like the scariest part of PBL for Mm -hmm. me because uh, I can't control it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, teachers as a whole, we like to control things. (laughs) So um, I didn't do a very good job of incorporating voice and choice last year. And I can... I can say I've done a much better job of it this year, and I can say I'll even mm-hmm. probably do a better job of it next yes. year. You know, you learn as you go and figure it out. But I will say that the difference in um, the actual content learned and the the outcome of the product mm-hmm. in the end has been night and day different. Yeah. yeah. Um it creates buy-in for them. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm doing this because my teacher told right. them. It goes hand in hand with the authenticity piece of it. Right. And it creates that, like I said, the buy-in for them. And they right. want to do it and they want to learn about it. Um, and they take ownership in it. So, um, I mean, here, let's be honest here too. Another honesty thing. <laughs> Voice and choice is more work on me. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But in the end the results that it produces in my children. It's yeah. worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know like as a writing teacher too, right. doing that, I loved voice and choice because it's kind of like you said, it's more work because you're having to kind of go through everything and it's almost like your brain has to do more work, I guess. I don't know if it's necessarily more work, right. just like you have more to do like grade or anything like that, but it's like having to go from this kid's choice to this kid's choice mm-hmm. and like transfer that over and find what's the same about it can be difficult. But at the same time, like as a writing teacher, I remember thinking like, thank goodness with voice and choice, I don't have to read the same paper <laughs> over and over and yes. over again. Like every kid's paper yeah. was different yes. or every project yeah. was different. And it might is, be a little more mentally exhausting. Yes. Right. Yeah. But 
It's definitely, right. Uh, right. It's, it's more interesting to yeah. miss the teacher and the student. Yeah. And it helps yeah. you know your students even more because mm-hmm. you learn their strengths mm-hmm. and you learn maybe what challenges them mm-hmm. too. Develop mm-hmm. those relationships yeah. with them that they know that you care about their interests. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to kind of wrap things up, just what suggestions would you provide or give to teachers um, who may be more like you were, you know, your first year starting out with voice and choice, you know, how can they take this on and be successful with it? Okay. Um, well, I would say, first of all, don't be scared like I was um, because it was scary. Um, however, um, on the flip side of that coin, I think that the most successful um, or the, the piece of it that Um, I think makes voice and choice successful in a classroom is starting slow. Mm -hmm. I feel like starting slow is key and knowing your limits, knowing your students' limits. um, Don't bite off more than you can chew. Don't give them a choice of final product and person and the way you do everything about it because number one, that's going to overwhelm them and it's not going to achieve the results that you're looking for. They're going to get lost. Um, So start small. I would say give them one choice on the first thing you do. See how that goes with them and with you and go from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for sitting down with us and letting us know what this is like over in the elementary perspective. Yeah, yeah. So, welcome to the elementary side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Yeah.